The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome to Back on Air, the podcast all about living life after second chances. And oh my gosh, it is the season of love. CNN is reporting that condom sales are surging through the roof. Dating apps are spiking. People are getting vaccinated and ready to fall in love or at least lust for the summer. And good God, I can tell you, starting over and dating go hand in hand like, what is that old thing that people say, like oil and vinegar or something? No, no, oil and vinegar goes together. Water and vinegar or fire and oil or vinegar and fire. Anyways, the point is, when you start over after something dramatic, traumatic, or any experience at all, even just having a new relationship, one of the first places we go is back to the dating world, whether it's online, like it has been during the pandemic, or out to the bars in person, this is usually step one in kind of reclaiming our autonomy after anything happens. Even while I was desperately ill and recovering from my chemo and my ex broke up with me, which we will get into a little bit more, I still thought instantly, how can I put myself back out on the market while I'm meanwhile bald-headed and not ready to be on the market. But that's where my brain went immediately. So I've got my friend Christine, who's a fabulous actress, joining me to break it down what it means to date after a second chance. But before we do, let's get into a little cancellation coverage. So I have to follow up with last week's episode, which was all about Britney Spears, the most up-to-date Britney Spears recap, and they are at it again because a new documentary came out in the UK. It's basically a less prestigious version of framing Britney Spears. It is done by the British media. They had less um, credibility on their side. You know, they interviewed people like Perez Hilton and uh, Billy B, the makeup artist who is still saying that he is speaking to Britney Spears every day, even though he stopped working with her in 2013. He is erratic. When I posted about his behavior, a lot of people within the industry let me know some things about him that I cannot say on a podcast because it would be defamatory. But needless to say, if you can pick up what I'm putting down, this is all alleged. Of course, it is alleged. But anyone who's claiming they're speaking to Britney Spears every single day and is not actively doing something to get her out of the conservatorship is just adding to the problem, if you ask me in my humble opinion. So he's adding to the problem and he discredits the movement because we know Britney Spears is not talking to a makeup artist that she's worked with eight years ago. We just know that's not happening. She's not even talking to her kids every day. She's probably not seeing her boyfriend every day. So she's certainly not talking to you, Billy B, the makeup artist. Now, the one interesting thing about all of this is yet again, Britney Spears responds by posting a random dance video but a lengthy caption seemingly explaining her feelings. Well, this is exactly what happened when Chriselle left a comment and she spoke about it on my podcast last week and said, hey, Brittany, we love the video of you dancing, beautiful work, and we love this caption, really feeling for you. Is there a way you can combine these two mediums, a video of you saying what the caption says? Because we're not buying it. 
And especially now, because now we can see through. I mean, this isn't even like, oh, we can see through the cracks. This is what we can see through the hole in the wall of this conservatorship, because it's a cycle. As soon as bad media comes out, in this case, bad media was the documentary in the UK. Then we get a distracting video with a distracting caption. And this one was extra clever because she mixed in real life stuff. And by she, I mean her social media manager, Cassie. I'm not talking about Brittany because I do not buy for one second that Brittany has any access to her social media unless absolutely given to her specifically like she has permission for internet time. And we know this. Well, we don't know that, but we know she has limited access to her internet because of court documents from her conservatorship. People, these are free records that anyone can access. So we know for a fact her internet is limited. By default, that means her phone usage and her social media usage is limited. So if you think that she's finally going to speak out in the form of a crazy loony caption where she says she's so happy, but she's so sick of all this media attention. And yet on June 23rd, her lawyer asked if she could directly speak to the judge, which is going to have so much media attention. It just doesn't add up. And so it's becoming very apparent what team conservatorship is doing, which is they're going to show that Britney Spears is extremely happy in this conservatorship and she wants it and she just wants her life to keep going the way it's been going. Or they're going to frame the narrative that she is such a mess, so crazy and so far gone that she desperately needs this conservatorship. Nowhere are they leaving room for the possibility that perhaps she doesn't need a conservatorship. Perhaps she just needs someone to, you know, look after her and make sure she takes her meds. We don't even know if she's on meds, for God's sakes. I mean, this is all assumptions. All we know is they're not giving an alternative to the conservatorship. They're saying she's either happy in it or she's doing so poorly that she needs it. How about that third alternative? You know, where is it? So we're not buying that. We're canceling the conservatorship once and for all. We will wait anxiously for Britney to speak. And I encourage you anything that comes from her social channels to take with a giant, not a grain of salt, get a salt rock lamp and put that in your mouth and, you know, deal with it that way because you ain't getting any reality coming from Britney Spears's Instagram. No, not happening until she goes live and is speaking directly to the camera. And even that I want to see who's on the other side of the camera, because if she's swaying or reading off a teleprompter, even that's not going to sway any of us in the Britney army. As you know, we're a passionate fan base. Any other cancellations this week? We have the Gateses. Bill and Melinda are ending their 27 year long marriage. Good God, we got the billionaire treatment on this statement. I mean, we got joy for the kids, the teamwork they brought together in their foundation, and they referenced all the, the good they've done as a team and are going their separate ways. Listen, they are bil bil billionaires, okay, with a B. We are not getting a leak from this story. As far as we know, they just decided to go their separate ways happily. It could be something salacious and gossipy. We're not getting a crack. This isn't millionaire money. This isn't Kim and Kanye getting photographed crying, you know, in Wyoming. This is billionaire Microsoft money. We're not going to know what happened. But I will say this. If I see Mr. Gates on one of my gay dating apps, though, in the next few years, I am swiping right because I am trying to become a billionaire boyfriend Let's get into this world of dating before I fantasize about what... Oh my God, I don't even know if I want to go there. Anyways, enjoy the episode. 
Alrighty, I am here with my dear friend, Christine. Christine, thank you for coming on and helping me navigate this insane online dating after a comeback episode. Oh, what a mouthful. (laughs) All right, Christine, I'm going to give the audience a debrief. You've known me for a while. Yes. We've worked together at restaurants. Oh, yes. When I was a hoe, (laughs) when I was trying very hard to find a boyfriend, Mm. where I'm an achiever and I did find a boyfriend. Yes. And then you saw the demise of that relationship, the onslaught of my cancer my recovery, Mm -hmm. and now you've been privy to my journey back into the online dating world. Quite the journey it has been. (laughs) Quite the journey. (laughs) And dating online is hard in general. Dating in a pandemic is hard in general. And maybe just dating in general is is hard. (laughs) Then you throw in coming back after recovering from cancer and dating. And this is something that's been on my mind because I live it on an almost daily basis with the dating apps. But something I thought about on a bigger scale, there are so many people who face different setbacks, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's a divorce even. And it's like, okay, welcome to the dating world. This is how it is in 2021. Right. And it's a wild ride. After maybe like years of not dating and then all of a sudden you're having to face like what's going on in the dating scene. Yeah, it's terrible. (laughs) Yes. And you've had a few experiences and we'll get into that Mm -hmm. when we dive deeply in. You are now in a happy relationship, a new relationship, we might add. It's new. Yeah. But going great. So you're going to be my sounding board. And from what I understand, you identify as a cisgender straight woman, correct? Yes. So you will kind of fill in for a lot of the questions that people might have about the gay online dating scene, because I do have a large following of women who Mm -hmm. listen to this podcast. So if anything strikes you as odd or curious or, you know, pings a little thing in that brain of yours, please reach out and let me know if you're confused about the gay dating world, because there are some differences. Mm. All right. So let's dive into it. So as you all know, from my original episode, I got dumped while I had cancer after nearly a four year relationship. It was very traumatizing and I felt it was unfair that I didn't get a chance to do what most people do after a breakup, which is you get back out there, you go to the clubs, you get your girls and guys around you, Mm -hmm. you, you hit up the nightlife, maybe you fuck around a little bit, or you get on an app, you start swiping, maybe you get a hookup. I couldn't do that. I was getting chemo. I went from being dumped to getting chemo to having my parents move in with me, then to the transplant. And yes, I had a few weeks here and there of great, you know, health. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I wasn't able to see people, especially strangers who weren't understanding of my circumstance. Right. So finally, after my transplant, which was March, 2020, I decide, you know what? I'm starting to feel better. I'm in lockdown in the hospital for 45 days and I keep feeling better and better. Let's make an account and let's get back out there and let's see what dating's (laughs) like. Let's see what's out there. (laughs) What a choice that was. I I can imagine. (laughs) Oh my God. Now let's just back it up. And have you done any online dating at all? I feel like everyone in our generation has. Everyone has. I mean, when I first moved out here, Tinder was like the only option at the point. It was before the days of like Bumble and Hinge. So yes, I dabbled a little bit and quickly realized that I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have any jarring story that like comes to mind? Yeah. Straight men in LA just as a whole (laughs) do better. Uh, (laughs) I did meet up with this guy that I had met on Tinder He seemed kind of like nerdy and sweet. So I was like, okay, let's see what this guy has to offer. 
And we met up at a bar in Hollywood. He was 30 minutes late because he was coming from work. So I was a little bit, yeah, not a great first impression. You should never make your date wait for you. Yeah, definitely not. So we meet up at a bar and he pays for our drinks. The first red flag is that he only tipped the bartender a dollar on both of our drinks. Which we are in the service industry. That's how you and I met. We shout out the service industry nonstop. That's right. Oh my God. That is just such a red flag. So unacceptable. Like these weren't just like some beers that like the bartender was just pouring in the back. Like these were cocktails. So anyway, we go outside, we're on the back patio and we're kind of chatting and he's like, so... I don't like to ask questions about people. I just like to assume things. Like this isn't a fun game. This is like, you're supposed to be trying to get to know someone. So I was like, okay. He was like, let me guess you're from a small town. And I was like, no, I'm from <laughs> just outside of DC, not a small town. Literally the capital of the entire United States. But right. okay, good, good try, Mr. Psychic. <laughs> exactly. Good try. And then he goes, let me guess. You're really shy. And I was like, actually, I'm an actor. I'm a performer. I'm a natural born performer. Always have been. You know, those sayings, like the cliche sayings, like how they say, if you assume you make an ass out of you and me. Absolutely. Why did, has he never heard that? I mean, just from his lead not. up of being like, I'm going to assume things about you. Right. Like those stupid little sayings that are just ingrained in our brains. Sometimes we need to listen to them. Yeah. So how did it end? I mean, it sounds like I mean, you guys were, <laughs> the chemistry was there from the start. From the start. Yes. I was so lucky to have met this person. I mean, after a failed couple minutes of trying to dance on the dance floor and him oh, insulting God. my <laughs> lack of dancing skills, what? I was like, I'm not very good at dancing. And he's like, yeah, I can tell. I'm like, what is Oh my God. <laughs> Just points and points for this man. <laughs> Terrible from the start. Oh God. Uh, so the way it ended, he walked me back to my car, which I guess was like sweet of him or whatever. And he's like, oh, so we're going to do this again. Right. And me just being a people pleaser, just being too polite for my own good was like, yeah, for sure. Oh, uh, we'll get into politeness too. Cause I have that same issue. And I feel like a lot of people, especially when you're dealing with a stranger, it's society standards to leave on a good term. For sure. So it makes sense why we want to do politeness. Now yeah. I feel much worse for women in general because mm-hmm. it's, it's a deeper patriarchal structure for sure. of why women feel the need to please a man, even that they're, if they're not interested in him, et cetera. Right. But as a human, I can relate to that feeling of being like, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Exactly. You know, so. I don't know why we're so concerned with strangers feelings. But. I know. Well, I tell you after cancer and stuff, you start to give a little few less fucks. For sure. So That's it's a important. Nice, it's a nice feeling. Yeah. So I'm assuming you didn't see uh, said gentleman again. Never saw him again. I ended up ghosting him, which was not a great approach. But, you know, this was years ago when you first moved to L.A. This was years ago. We're I young, was a child. Yeah, exactly. And now online dating has morphed into, like you said, there's so many options. There's so many outlets. And let's face it, no one does it better than the gays when it comes to apps. I mean, let me just list you some of these names and yeah. <laughs> just take in that these are real apps right, that, right. that we can use. So, of course, we have Grindr. Mm-hmm. And then we have all the dating apps like Hinge, Bumble, Tinder have gay versions. You know, you can just okay. put what you're interested in. But specifically for gay men, we have Grinder, Scruff, Hornet, Jacked. What? Yes. Jacked? Jacked <laughs> with J-A-C-K with a apostrophe D. Oh, Jack. sick. 
Yeah. Oh gosh, I'm missing more, but there are so many more. Now I'm actually impressed because they're now becoming more inclusionary to the entire LGBTQIA plus community. That's great. Because a lot of times the apps were designed for cisgender men Mm. and, you know, it caused problems on places such as Grindr where it's just so known for being a toxic environment Mm -hmm. where masculinity and hot bodies are applauded quite frankly, worshipped, which is disgusting. And people who are, do not fit into that category. And oftentimes it's white people mainly too. There are, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're hot enough and masculine enough, you can be in the club and grinder, but you really, it's a white man's game. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. truly is a white, good looking man's game. And it's, it's brutal on your ego. And that was one of the first things I realized when I set up my profile, when I was like, okay, I'm getting back out there. I set up a profile for everything. I did. Okay. Cupid. I was like, I'm going to go for the most serious. I even had a match.com subscription for a month. So I went from like the most serious mm-hmm. down to, to the hookup apps, a whole arsenal yeah, of oh, apps, everything. And I thought <laughs> the counts. And I was just so ready for a boyfriend in my head. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd been through all of this. Yeah. Of I course. healed for my breakup do you think I really wanted a boyfriend one month after my bone marrow transplant and a year and a half after leukemia? Just needed some attention, probably. Bingo. <laughs> that is what it comes down to, is the desire for attention. And so let me tell you, I got on those apps and I was like, okay, I'm filling out a profile and that's what it's going to be. And what was on your profile? Oh, I started off, I was like, you know what? I'm going to let the cancer come up naturally in okay. conversation. It wasn't in your bio. It wasn't originally in my bio, okay. but then I quickly realized that my photos of anything I had done within the past year, I have had some form of a completely bald or a shaved head. Mm-hmm. So I realized, unless I'm going to pull like the ultimate catfish and post pictures, you know, from when I'm 25. So I said, well, I'm going to have to put my buzz cut. I'm going to show. And I decided to be a complete open book. And mm-hmm. I thought I'm going to put right from the get go, not make it a negative thing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there are some people on dating sites who they use their profile as their therapy, not even the conversations they're having with people. But it's like I learn sometimes I'll be swiping and I'll learn so much about a guy just from what he puts on his profile. It's just their journal, just their journal entry, a dating app. And I was like, I can't do that. I can't sit here and say how I feel about my diagnosis, Mm -hmm. where I'm at mentally. So I just decided to keep it simple and say, in recovery from leukemia, my outlook looks great. I'm finally healed enough to start dating again Mm -hmm. in the midst of this pandemic. And I was just very open and honest. I hope to chat first, establish trust. I'm obviously not looking for monogamy immediately, but maybe we can establish some sort of, you know, where I know you're not going to go meet up with someone else. And this was at the height of COVID. So I'm not even thinking I'm going to meet anybody. And of course, having these stipulations in this culture of give me more now is not a good look on dating sites because Mm -hmm. especially like the hookup sites, these guys want to meet up for sex immediately. Pandemic be damned, which is a whole nother problem. COVID what? <laughs> it's not COVID a thing. <laughs> but it was, it, it was an interesting response to be so open on a dating platform where I'm already used to sharing in, on social media. Right. So it felt comfortable in that sense. Like it was a, an extension of social media. So what was the response like to your open and honest bio? The response was a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. I will say immediately, 
I was very impressed by the support that I was receiving even online. Mm -hmm. And I've always said my story is a little bit different in the sense that I've had such an outpouring of support online from, you know, the people that I've worked with and their fans. So I've been lucky and I am used to that kind of response. So to me, that was kind of foolishly expected of me. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. of course people are going to be so kind hearted and caring, you know, just like they are on Instagram. And I got some of that. Hey, you know, I'm not looking to date right now, but I stumbled across your profile. And I want to say like, it's really courageous that you're battling, you know, and I'm rooting for you. Like those kinds of sweet, that kind of stuff is very sweet and gave me a lot of, you know, like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm actually going to find a nice guy. Oh, give it 48 hours. Okay. (laughs) So then it quickly devolved and I'm dealing with guys who are asking me hypochondriac type symptoms saying, how did you know you had leukemia? So they're a hypochondriac. I'm assuming Assuming so so. because I mean, well, one conversation specifically, this man had to be because he was asking me like the intensity levels of my headaches, which (gasps) were one of my first initial (laughs) symptoms, but you're not going to be able to get an answer to your concerns asking me how how bad my headache was a year and a half ago. He's using you like WebMD. Yeah, and he should have just stuck to WebMD because I am much less knowledgeable and probably going to scare you a lot more. Because exactly. I'm just like, I had headaches and the next thing I know I got cancer. <laughs> and which is not true. Please, if you think like, do not believe that. Not that, the that, case. Is, that is not the case. But, you know, I had to give him a good scare. And then the other thing, Christine, that people would do would give me their health advice, which I cover this on my cancer advice episodes. Never give unsolicited advice. It got to the point where people were almost like trying to teach me a lesson that you need to be healthy. Just like this assumption since I've had cancer that I'm like naturally unhealthy or like genetically unhealthy. And so like I had one guy recommend that I like replace my sugar with veggie sticks. No, no. And I literally remember writing back and saying, what are we talking about? It was the sugar that gave you cancer. Well, yeah, but it was I so mean, many layers of like, what the fuck are you saying to me? What is happening? Me? And he's like, yeah, I love veggie sticks. It's like a great snack. It's my favorite. Th- it's my favorite cheat food. And first of all, <laughs> cheat food, <laughs> your veggie sticks are your cheat food. I said, you mean like tempura, like deep fried, right. you know, with a ranch with sauce. Ranch, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so clearly not dealing with the best situations. Right. And it was just a mixed bag. And you, like I said, we had the pandemic. So we had this different layers of types of people. Some people who only wanted to chat, some people who were lonely and wanting to meet up, some people who didn't believe the pandemic was real. I mean, you get them all online. Right. Is there any sort of like precautions taken when it comes to meeting up with people from these apps? Like, I mean, obviously, are you going to wear a mask to these dates? How does that even work? Yeah. So eventually I did meet up with one guy who I had talked to for many months. Like I started talking to him in March and I eventually met up with him. I want to say July or August. Okay. And we kept on like a friendly dating kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. And finally, when we had that slow spot in the summer where we foolishly (laughs) thought it was coming to an end last summer (laughs) and we all started to kind of tiptoe back out. Now, to be fair, in L.A., it was very warm. So you were able to do a lot of outdoor activities. Right. So we went to a restaurant that was, you know, opened outdoor dining and we had established what I was comfortable with, which Mm -hmm. was masks while we're close together remove the masks at the table okay. and not sit directly across from each other, kind of sit catty corner. So it was very lovely. You know, the guy was not my type. I don't have a dramatic story about him to say he was 
very boring and just not my type. And I was, it just didn't work. And the only issue, the weird part is we had known so much about each other because we would talk Mm -hmm. for such an extended period of time. And that's the weird part about this online dating. And especially when you're coming back into this world of online dating and just dating in general is you want to dip your toes in. You want to feel safe. And in this situation, you literally need to be safe because I was immunocompromised. So it was a really weird time of being like, oh, I don't know if I want to see you, you know, keep seeing you. Is it worth it? Is it worth the risk? Exactly. And luckily he was very respectful and took all the precautions that I was comfortable with, you know, stopped seeing people for a few days beforehand, got a COVID test, everything that you can do to feel cautious. Was Mm -hmm. it still a risk? Absolutely. Did I take the risk? Absolutely. I have not been on another date since. I will say though, that these types of relationships where you form this bond with someone that you don't meet in person or Mm -hmm. don't meet for a long time is a very real thing. It is. Absolutely. And were were these like just text messages or were you talking on the phone, FaceTime? A mixture of all of them. But I got myself into a bit of a pickle. And this is where I talk about the being a people pleaser and not wanting to, you know, offend and all of that stuff. Right. So basically I met this guy online and he just checked the boxes. And this is why having a list of boxes to check in the first place can be such a problem because you think on paper you're getting everything you want. He had a career, check. He had a good relationship (laughs) with his family, check. Mm -hmm. He wanted to communicate and was an avid communicator, which is my biggest issue in dating in general and especially dating in LA is the communication. So he had all of these things on paper and the more we got to talk, you know, it was interesting. And I have to preface this by saying I am an extremely loud advocate for mental health and I'm very public with my anxiety and depression. And I'm obviously a supporter of Western medicine because it literally Mm -hmm. saved my life. So I understand there are people who choose to treat their mental health issues however they see fit. Mm -hmm. So back to this story, just keep that in the back pocket. I start talking to this guy and immediately he takes things from zero to 100. We've had a couple of overnight conversations, those really long conversations that go deep into the morning. Yes, and you cover everything. And yeah. You know, and and so I'm knowing a lot about this guy and then I'm sharing a lot about my story and all of this. And we're sharing so much about two to three days in. He accidentally refers to me as his boyfriend, which was what? And listen, two to three days of talking and your boyfriends. I ain't stupid. Oh, no, no. This is not like (laughs) this might work on some dumb people where you're like, Uh, well, you're my boyfriend. I mean, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I said that. But like, oh, my God, I totally didn't mean to do that. Yeah. That was the first little like we're moving really fast. Yeah. The other weird thing was the schedule he kept and he focused that he was sober. And so he's like, I'm a sober person and I admire sobriety. I got sober when I was 25 because Mm -hmm. I had a severe drug problem and I will dive into that in a whole nother world, but I respect it greatly. And when he said that, I know a lot of people from the sober community. So I thought, oh, I understand now I get that type of person. They're a little bit crazy, a little bit zany, you know, most creative type of people are Mm -hmm. most people who've battled addiction are, and you kind of give that person a benefit of a doubt. Yeah. Well, then I get a picture sent to me and I see a giant bottle of Jack Daniels in the background. Oh, yeah, that's good. In the bedroom. Oh, no. Yeah, which was another red flag. And we were to the point where I brought this stuff up. We had already, mm-hmm. within a week, because we would be on the phone constantly. You had touched on all of these We've things. touched on yeah. everything. Well, then he casually drops that he would do meth. 
And so he's actually sober from meth. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, interesting way to, to announce that you're sober is to not actually consider yourself sober, but from a specific drug. Right. Which as someone who is in the sober world or who has been in the sober world, it's very much focused on all or nothing. Like if you have the disease of addiction, there is no in-between That's period. what I've always assumed. Yeah. And if you don't have that disease, there is such a thing as moderation. Mm-hmm. And who knows? I, I can't judge him for that. And I did not judge him or break up with him or stop talking to him because of the meth. Then he brought up that his meth addiction was so bad that he actually prostituted for it. And I did not break up with him or get freaked out by that. Because again, listen, I worked at a gay sex sauna when I was 19. I am very sex positive. I am pro sex worker. Like it takes a lot to shake me is what I'm trying to get the point across here. And the thing about this guy is he was like an attention mongerer. Mm -hmm. So when he would tell these stories He wouldn't tell them with the sense of like, I want to let you know. He would tell them almost with pride Mm -hmm. the way that like someone who peaked in high school that you see 10 years later would tell you about the time they were like quarterback of the high school football team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it it was like the same energy, you know, where people like say same energy. That was the vibe I was getting. Like he was very proud of the stuff that he would do to obtain meth even going into such detail of explaining to me the story about how one of his, I don't know, are they called customers? Clients. Clients, yes. Mm-hmm. Like to have eggs cracked on him. No. While he was like <gasps> sucking, sucking things. You almost have to, what, like, was he making this That's, stuff up? You think? Okay, like, so if when, it's that detailed? Yes, thank you. So I started to be like, this is so wild. So I told one of my other friends, because I didn't want to put him on blast because this guy's been so open with me. Right. He was your boyfriend too. <laughs> He was also my boyfriend after 48 hours, but I really still felt this kindred spirit to him yeah. because I, I just knew what it was like to spiral. I knew all of these things. I also told one of my other friends who was going through like the dating motions, like online dating in a pandemic. And I told her that story and she was like, it seems like every day he's got another thing to top himself. Mm-hmm. And it really got to that point. So I would bring up stuff just to see like if we had a story or I would try to tell my most dramatic story to see if he would talk to me about it or if he would try to top it. Right. And he would always be trying to top it. What is that that phrase tragedy Olympics? But in this case, it's like who had a more dramatic story? Yes, it was so weird. And the thing is, is I don't mind talking about like the dramatic things that have happened to me. Obviously I have a podcast all about second chances and starting over, Mm -hmm. but that should not be the topic of anyone's life 24 seven. No, I don't sit around. I can't be healthy. When I, when I'm (laughs) hanging out with you and we're just like at the park, we're not just sitting there talking about cancer. No, We're talking about pop culture and other things and and things we enjoyed. And that was the other red flag that popped up. I was like, I'm not getting any sense of like what he likes, what music he listens to, how he spends his downtime. He had no social media, which is always a red, usually a red flag. Cause usually it aligns with something else. It's never just like, Oh, I have no social media because I'm anti-social media. Listen, if that's the reason you're not on social media, good for you. I applaud you. But you're also on a fucking dating app. So whatever your reason for not being on social media, you're completely making it null and void by being public on a dating app. It doesn't align. It doesn't align. It didn't make (laughs) sense. It was just weird. So the point is he just kept on with these, as you call it, tragedy Olympics. And it was like, 
my uncle's going to die. And I'd be like, oh my God, what are the details? You know? And then he'd be like, well, we just had this feeling that it's about his time, like that kind of stuff. And I'd be like, oh my God, this is like chaotic and this is stressful. And this is just pushing it too much. Well, then the topic of sobriety came back around. So then he reveals to me that he has a schizoaffective personality disorder. So a form of schizophrenia, a more mild form. What does that entail exactly? Like, what did he... He told me that it meant he had voices in his head that were fully fledged people. And he would refer to them as names and Mm -hmm. he described them as one being a seven-year-old kid. And I was like, that's interesting. And then he said the other one was like a lady and Mm -hmm. the other one was his best friend. I guess there was three of them. Oh, it's like disassociative identity disorder. Something like that. And I brought it up because like, you know, I love my mental health research ever since Britney Spears in 2007. I've been getting my unofficial degree in all things mental health. And it was just so weird because... Again, it just felt made up. And I'm not saying this is made up. This might very well, everything he said to me might've been true, but the way to get in someone's good graces or good favor, if you, or if you have a crush on them is not to dump all of your emotional baggage. Well, especially in a week long period. Of course. And now if you're dealing with a lot of trauma, I understand sometimes you need to unpack that trauma as soon as you get into a safe relationship. But we had by no way established like a safe boundary. You hadn't even met at this point. We had not met in person at this point. Oh my gosh. And we'd only FaceTimed once. Another red flag, he wasn't comfortable FaceTiming. I finally made him near the end before the schizo uh, disorder reveal. I finally made him FaceTime me. Because I said, I feel like you might, must be using different pictures. What made you think that? Because he didn't have social media and mm. his pictures on his profile. Once I realized he didn't have social media, there's no way to kind of fact checked of when course. those pictures were taken. Right. So it was just already suspicious. Yeah. So anyways, I still kept talking to him for a few more days. And finally, finally, the straw that broke the camel's back is he did a theoretical question of what if we met up soon And he had asked me for $300. Oh, (laughs) I said, and I said to myself, what the fuck? And then I said to him, what the fuck? What do you mean? Yes. I was like, in theory, I was like, in theory, do you need money or do you like need (laughs) money? And I was like, I just answered the question. I just said, oh, I would just get up and leave. I would say this is not giving you money. (laughs) I just wouldn't even entertain it because it would be too new of a time period for us to be even be having this conversation. Absolutely. And he was kind of like, oh, he was taken aback by it. And we somehow got back onto his disorder. I said, so with your, you know, former meth addiction and your recovery and your disorder, I imagine you have to take medications. You know, I'm on, I just recently got put on a antidepressant. So I was sharing this with him and here's where I drew the line. This is the final red flag, JLo enough, like no more. We're done. We're done. Is he said, Oh, yes, I was on medication 10 years ago for my schizoaffective disorder. I was taking it while I was on meth. So I decided that I wanted to be completely off of everything. So I did not alert my family or my doctors. But for the past 10 years, I have found my own way to medicate using alcohol to safely medicate and to treat my disorders and to keep me off of meth. Safely? Alcohol is 
poison. I said, what do your doctors think? He said, I hadn't seen my doctors in 10 years. Oh no. And so to me, that was like, this was a real life wake up call. This is really bad. Where I was like, this is no longer the crazy person I meet on OkCupid who had a fetish for wearing diapers and dressing right. as a baby, which is absolutely a true thing that happened. Everyone's uh, got their kinks. Everyone's got their kinks. And hey, this is a kink shame free zone. Yes. But this became clear that this was beyond just someone who had issues, who needed a partner. This was clear that this was someone who was who probably needed more help than he was getting. And I was clearly in my month six of recovery, not in any place to be that person for him. So I had to kindly let him know that we were no longer boyfriends. Oh, you broke up with him? I actually did break up with him. Via text, phone call? Via phone call. Okay. How respectful of you. Yes. Well, I just thought, you know, after all the shit I've been through and he did reveal so much about himself that I didn't want him to feel like that I would end up on a podcast talking about him bad. So I wanted him to right. know that I respect him enough to not, to not do that. <laughs> so, so I thought a phone yet, call would be the perfect, <laughs> the perfect pin in that. But it was an eye opening lesson that you have to be careful of who you talk to. And also a lesson of what it means to get to know someone. Yeah. Because I've gone through these conversations that I have online dating where I say, oh, hey, I'm Jared. Um, I noticed in your bio you mentioned you love burritos and you want to find the best burrito place in all of L.A. You know, one of those yeah. cheesy plate things on an online right. dating profile. And so I'll comment and say, hey, I noticed you're looking for that. Like, have you tried this place? Mm-hmm. And the response will just be a one word answer. No. No. (laughs) Okay. Where do we go from here? Yeah, It's just these extremes where I'm dealing with this one guy who is literally emotionally dumping every day, all day at all hours. Now I know presumably drunk oversharing to the max oversharing to the max. And then I've got on the other end, I can't even get a second syllable, (laughs) you know? So it's just a nutty place to be. There's really no middle ground. It sounds like. There's no middle ground and online dating for gays is tough. There's this thing called twin dating. Are you familiar with twin dating? No, what is, I've never heard of that. What is that? Have you heard of siblings or dating the Instagram account? No. Oh my what? gosh. Shout out to them. <gasps> okay. So there's this Instagram account called siblings or dating. If you know it, you know it. And it's basically whoever has this account post pictures that are submitted by users of couples who look similar. Oh, and then we get to vote God. in the stories, like on the poll, say, are they dating or related? Siblings? Yeah. <gasps> and wow. Oh, I need almost, to check that out. People are almost always wrong. And it's a mix of, you know, gay couples, straight couples, whatever. But it's funny that it was a thing because twin dating has been such a thing in the gay community for so long. So it's basically where you date someone who looks so similar to you. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> and I'm not sure why it's such a gay thing. I think just by default, the fact that you're the same gender, right. you're able to wear the same clothes or mm-hmm. if you do look alike physically, you can share the same size things. So that kind of thing happens. So I think naturally it happens to a certain extent. Yeah. But it happens way more than I'm comfortable with in the gay world. Exactly like you. (laughs) And it's it happens almost always by chance. Mm -hmm. And it makes me question what it actually means to be gay, which I know is so stupid. And like so like (laughs) why are you the one to question this? But it really is because to me I'm attracted to the total opposite of me. You know, I'm six mm-hmm. foot five. I'm very fair, kind of blondish, light eyes. I am attracted to the, the polar opposite of me. I like shorter guys. Mm-hmm. I like stockier guys. I like, you know, brown eyes, darker hair, deeper features, all of that stuff. Like I'm an opposites attract kind of person. Right. So to me, this twin dating, it's the opposite of opposites attract. It's like 
What's the opposite of opposite? <laughs> the same. <laughs> it's the same. Identical. It's the same attract. <laughs> but it is so weird because then it makes me wonder. It's like, is this like a nature versus nurture thing? Like, did they grow up looking at themselves in the mirror and they're like, I'm so gay for myself. Like, look at my naked gay body. Like, I'm going to find someone who has the same naked gay body as me. This and the just, only way I get turned on. It's just to fuck myself. Oh, God. Like, but it makes me wonder. Yeah. I mean, it, it's got to be some sort of like narcissism at play, I don't, right? I mean, I don't know because it's so common. I mean, you could talk to any gay yeah. person about this. It's so common that it can't be this many narcissists. Right. Right. But it does bring me to the good thing that I think the straights have figured out in the world of dating, which is like, it's okay to not have everything in common. Right. And I'm absolutely fascinated by this concept because I've always dated people who've had a lot in common with me in like a surface level, like entertainment wise, you right. know, same pop culture, same movies we want to go see. So it's been convenient in that way. And our problems were actually more based on intimacy. Oh, interesting. And so it, yes. And so it shows that you don't need to have common shared interests to have like this level of intimacy. Mm -hmm. Now, does it help when things start to even out in a relationship and you get a little bit bored mm -hmm. and things become routine? Yes. It helps to have the same shows that you yeah. want to watch and all that stuff. But like, what do you think as a straight person have that ever crossed your mind? Like, oh, wow. Like me and my boyfriends won't have like the same things in common. Like, you know, I actually dated a guy a few years ago and I remember going to his house before attending a concert together and he saw what I was wearing and he changed his outfit to look exactly like mine. And that uh -oh. was the first experience where I was like, huh. This guy like wants us to be similar. And that was the only experience I've ever had dating a guy who was like that. So dang. So that's your experience with like kind of twin dating. Kind a little, of, yeah. Or, or, like, or like wanting to match and be the same. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like that is definitely the the standout. That is a standout. That has definitely not been uh, an experience across the board dating, dating straight guys. Like my boyfriend now, I mean, he's six foot four. Like he and I do not dress the same way. Like, yeah. Total opposites. Total opposites. And yeah. then interest wise opposites as well. I mean, like you said, we're interested in like the same kind of entertainment stuff, similar music taste, similar oh, taste in, in movies and TV shows. But beyond that, like not not yeah. that much. <laughs> but that is interesting, you know, with, with gay dating. And I see it a lot. One of the big, one of the minor problems that I see are people looking for their best friend. And I get it when you're gay, it's a different experience. You feel a level of isolation that a lot of people can't relate to. Right. So as other gay people, we, we relate to that, but I see too many profiles that list very specific things that they hope you are into in order to date them. And, and for me, like I'm not a gamer, mm -hmm. G A Y M E R. <laughs> um, but a lot of gay boys are gamers and that's one of their things they're into is playing video games, doing all of that stuff. That's not something I'm ever going to be into. And if that's your deal breaker, Oh, they want someone who is also a gamer. Yes. And that will be their deal breaker. Wow. And to me, if your deal breaker is something so superficial, I mean, the world could run out of electricity and battery power. Yeah, and what are you going to do then? Yeah, you have to still like the person <laughs> yeah. outside of Crash, Band <laughs> Crash Bandicoot. 
that's the last video game I remember, Christine. <laughs> it's a great game. Yeah, but that's what great. I'm saying. Like these guys yeah. out here trying to tell me to play Nintendo Switch. I can't. <laughs> Scratch. I can't play. I don't know how to Animal Cross. Okay. I can barely put on a put on a song on Spotify. My point is, is like certain guys will post this on their profile and make it fact, make it law. You have to be a gamer. You have to be X, Y, and Z. And that's a dangerous territory that we're getting into. And it's because of this more is more. There's so many options. Exactly. We're covered in options. And I think no matter how you identify and no matter who you're dating right now, the online dating market is, well, first of all, it's saturated because of the pandemic. Yeah. It's overloaded with people who are on there out of sheer boredom. For sure. So you have a huge, diverse mix of people, which is a great thing Mm -hmm. in theory. But with that influx, of course, comes some negativity. Even to the point of just a couple weeks ago, I was on a dating app kind of casually chatting with a guy who reached out to me. Mm. We had a conversation. Then out of nowhere, he told me that I was actually a little too overweight for him. What? Yeah. And just decided to let me know that I was too overweight to continue talking. Who thinks that's okay to say to someone? Well, that's the issue with this online world that we've created. And listen, I love the internet. There's a disconnect it's, it, there, There's I a guess. disconnect. You would never say that if you're on a date with a person. You I never, would hope not. Could you imagine getting up in the middle and being like, you're just a little too overweight for me. I'm yeah. going to bounce now. No. Now, luckily I have thick skin, rolls right off my back. For no, sure. No one cry for me over this. I have been much meaner to people online. <laughs> and trust me, I act as the karma player least, if you will, online right. dating. I love to teach a lesson, especially to a conceited, <laughs> arrogant Asshole. LA motherfucker. Yeah. So don't cry for me over that comment. You know, that's, but, but the, that's the world that we're creating where people feel comfortable enough to say that. And that's the downside. And that is a snapshot of the gay community and what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So I, my heart goes out to everyone who has to kind of jump back on the saddle of dating, especially in this online realm, because it ain't an easy Navigating game. that yeah. toxic realm. That is for sure. That's so crazy. So after experiencing something negative like that, do you want to go offline for a bit and delete these apps? You know, I think that's the nature of the beast is to kind of like download, delete, deactivate, reactivate, redownload. It's a cycle. <laughs> so the biggest takeaway I gathered from this whole experiment of dating after having cancer you know, dating after my second chance is that communication is the key. Mm -hmm. It's such a cliche. Therapists talk about it in like relationship counseling. You hear it all the time, but it is so evident that you cannot connect with people if you're not able to communicate. Of course. Whether it's the people who are giving one word answers or not (laughs) able, you know, yeah. And just (laughs) one syllable answers for God's sake. You know, you can't build a bond with someone that way. Right. And we're only getting more digitized. So you might as well embrace it and learn how to communicate via text Mm -hmm. and eventually learn how to talk on the phone and Mm -hmm. FaceTime. I mean, it was a detriment to that guy who was clearly having a lot of problems. But if it wasn't for his over communication, I would never have known all of these red flags that kept me from what could have been a very draining situation as I recovered. Yeah. So even with all his faults, thank God he communicated. Right. Because it ultimately bullet dodged. 
What's worse is when you don't communicate much like my ex, and then you end up in a three and a half going on four year relationship. And when you get diagnosed with cancer, he's out of there, he's out of there because you never communicated that. Oh, wait, I don't actually really love you in in this sense. Right. So I think the ultimate lesson from coming back is the power of communication. You can avoid a lot of hurt if you just communicate. Yeah. Christine, thank you so much for doing this. So much for being my sounding board here. (laughs) Thank you for having me. This was fun. And sharing a little bit of your dating (laughs) excavations. So of course I had to have Christine on because she's my park buddy. And we, for the past year, she's just, we'd put our masks on, walk the park and I would unload all of these stories to her. Although you hadn't heard this one I shared today. No, that one I kept very private. Yes. I kept very (laughs) private. So before I let you go, Is there any shitty self-care you can just spill with us today? Oh my God. Yeah. I really enjoy spending a hundred dollars just on Postmates delivery just for myself. It's excessive, but I love it. That's a good one. Oh my God. That is the best form of self-care. Yeah. And it's the (laughs) shittiest form for your bank account and for your health waistline waistline (laughs) and all of that stuff. But it is the best form of self-care. It's amazing. Just to be able to get, oh my God, definitely. (laughs) Be able to order one of everything. Oh, one of everything. Of course. Got your like five course meal just to myself. Oh, that is a good way to take care of yourself in a shitty way. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right, Christine, you are not just my fabulous friend. You are an amazing actress. Where can we find you? I'm on Instagram at Christine Marie Cote. And that is spelled C-O-T-E. Yes, it is. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. All right. I will talk to you all next week. Back on Air is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. The show is edited by Maureen Bigas. The theme music is by Josie Mark. Thanks for listening. And please follow me on Instagram at Jared Lips, on Twitter at Jared M. Lips, and email the show backonairjared at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you stream podcasts, and I'll see you next week. Bye.